Well, they blew up a chicken man in Philly last night. Now they blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk, they're getting ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause, and I do wonder if my producer is wondering, when are you going to start talking? But I blame my next guest, uh, betting analyst from Covers.com. It is Josh Ingles. And, Josh, now that we're always going to be playing Atlantic City, all I want to do, is again, is listen to Bruce sing. I don't want to hear my voice. Hey, that was that was great respect to the boss who let him get through that first verse without an interruption. So greatly appreciated, yeah. Matthew. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate you. I think I picked the first real dip to uh, get this dip back on air instead of just having uh, more of him, the Bruce, in our life. Um, and Actually, the boss. I don't know why I said the Bruce. So, Josh, you were going back and forth with my uh, producer, just chatting about some topic ideas. And there's one thing that really stuck out that I found interesting about the idea of perspective versus perception when it comes to prop bets. Because we're all going to start doing prop bets. I'm looking at betting on we will see a Kardashian during the broadcast because I'm a serious football journalist. But I'm just wondering uh, your approach and your thoughts when it comes to prop bets this time of year. No, I think I got this idea. I was watching a Lex Friedman podcast. I mean, it's just an incredible podcast. But uh, the idea of perception versus perspective, and in my stupid constant betting mind, I, I made the correlation quite well. And it's it's a issue that we have as betters when we talk ourselves into a bet through perception only. So let's use the example of A.J. Brown. We know uh, there's a 50-point total of a game. We know that A.J. Brown's probably going to get his uh, – they haven't passed a lot, so he probably wants to get the ball a lot. And then we work our way down this this way, through the perception, through this subjective style of handicapping. And the last thing we get to, sadly, is the number. And I would guarantee that 95 out of 100 betters don't know what the difference is between 78 yards and 70 yards when actually looking at it. So if someone, oh, 78 yards, yeah, sure. But if we compare that to, I mean, what he closed at uh, in the NFC Championship game, yeah, there's things that we can look at that we should be doing it the other way. We're doing the books a favor by doing this way when we're talking ourselves into a play basically. And then the other way is perspective, looking at the number and walking our way back to where this number is going to come from. And there's a reason why books release carries and receptions later than they do yards, because those are a bigger indicator of what their role is in this game, what their volume is going to be. Yards is noisy. And when I mean noisy, I mean, there's a high variance behind it. But when we talk about receptions, when we talk about carries, those are things that we can project better uh, a, a finishing total for these players in prop betting. I think it's something that better should start to work on because, as you know, everyone's betting on props, so we should probably not be doing the books any favors. Is there any examples you have? Like, is there any ones that you've looked at, any, any numbers, uh, any, a, any of the specific ones? You're like, huh, okay, um, I see everyone's going to go one way. People should probably go a different way. In my job, I mean, it's funny, like uh, telling people about picks. It's like it's basically a car sales job, and you're, you've, you've come across this, and now you've got to sell it to people. 
So there's always different angles in which we're looking at bets. So to go back to that A.J. Brown issue, if you wanted to just say A.J. Brown's going to go over his yards, you say, what are his yards? Uh, I don't care. I'll bet it anyway. Well, it's already gone from 68 to 72, which is uh, a seven-game high. Dallas Goddard's back. Uh, Twiz Watkins is in the mix. Devontae Smith, obviously. And Kenneth Gainwell's actually getting a lot of run. And now we have a Philly team that's running a lot of plays, 70 plays and 69 plays in back-to-back games so far in the playoffs. But they're running the ball well. So just because the game script showed that they had to run the ball doesn't mean they won't come out and run heavily again, especially with all the people in the backfield, plus Jalen Hurts who can run. And now we're starting to get a better picture of what of what A.J. Brown is here. There's a lot of, there's a lot of targets. The target share is not there. Game script might not be there. Uh, run percentage. So in, in saying that, Matthew, to make a long story longer, we kind of can look at it this way. You can start with plays. Find out how many plays this team's going to run. Then we look at run percentage, a pass percentage. See how we break up those plays. Then we look at something like target share. Where is uh, A.J. Brown's target share with the current personnel? And then look at his catch rate. And with something like that, if we look at that plays, run percentage, you can project a pretty good total. And then let's say my projection comes out to 5.25 receptions for A.J. Brown. He's sitting at 5.5 minus 115 to the under. Right there, that's showing me value because the 5.5 minus 115 to the under, if I haven't lost everybody yet, that is a 50-50 play if we think about handle. So one, minus 115 aside on the prop. So if I'm projecting under five and a half, then I'm getting a little, uh, a little extra value there and a little plus EV. So then in the end, the long way of saying, look at the under for A.J. Brown. But no, I mean, the bigger <laughs> – no, but the, the, the bigger picture there is an important one about just work work your way from that number and work your way backwards instead of looking at that number and then looking forward going, all right, of course he's going to get eight catches. Uh, free money coming my way. So I, I, yeah, I think basically that, you're, just, you're talking yourself into it the whole way, even if you get to the number and you see it, you've already done all the work there, and our brains work this way in cognitive bias that we're going to see that number and we're still going to do the loops and bounds and say, no, no, this is still right. Even though I don't like that number. No, no, I've already put in all this work. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I could go four minutes on how what you're saying works in the world of competitive wine tasting events where you, when you are blind, when you are blind tasting a wine, uh, there, I can easily um, work that in and, and to explain it in that perspective, but I will do the audience a favor and I'll move on. You know, it's one bet that kind of is amazing to me is Hassan Reddick. 93% of the bets that over, uh, are like are on that he will record a sack. And it's currently at minus 164. Like I, Reddick was the best player in the NFC Championship game, and I understand that. I know Patrick Mahomes is gimpy all around, but plus 128 to not record a sack. Like, that's one of those ones where I mean, I do a little more digging on the, you know, the tackles for the Chiefs, but that's one that I look at and I'm like, huh. Everyone is loving the over, and that just scares me. Yeah, he hasn't faced, uh, he hasn't seen some of the best quarterbacks in all of football either. So now we're looking at recency bias. I mean, Patrick Mahomes can get the ball out when facing pressure, and a lot of that idea is the sack. When I'm sure when you talk to these teams, the number sack isn't what they're trying to do. Obviously, it's to create pressure, and we're betting on two different things, but. I think there's a lot of noise in the sack because 
he could create the pressure, and then someone else on the line could get the sack. But from the from the pressure that he created, draws the double team. There's a lot of things, and there's a lot of noise in, in the sack prop world, and especially when you're paying heavy juice for it over, I, I would probably avoid it. And it, again, it's probably a very perception based bet. Yeah, I, it's by this is so lame. the The first Super Bowl bet yeah. I'm going to make is the under for Hassan Reddick sacks. There's there, there's no fun in that whatsoever. Uh, with Josh, uh, but uh, you know that's often where you win your money. Well, we're joined by Josh Ingles from Covers.com. Josh, you were writing about the NHL All-Star Game. Uh, for people out there that, uh, you know, are going to watch it and want to put a little juice on it, any thoughts, any trends uh, of who you like uh, for the for the ye upcoming All-Star Game? Uh, I think betters can find an edge in saying that goalies are going to be overvalued in these things. So Stuart Skinner and Logan Thompson, uh, I believe, in the Central Division, uh, they're an underdog plus 105. I don't think that they're going to be that big of a deterrent. we still got McDavid. Like, I'd rather put plus 105 on McDavid than Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, but I think the books are pricing in goaltending a little too much in this situation. But, again, these are absolute coin flips of a game. I think there's better edges in the skills competition. Uh, hardest shots out. I'm on uh, Elias Pedersen. It wasn't minus 400. It's moved to plus 330. Uh, I know AK's on it, too. And we heard the O-Dog talk this morning. A lot of people don't care about the skills competition. Do you think, uh, like a veteran, like, do you think, uh, I don't know, who, who's in the, in the fastest skills, the fastest skating competition? So Dylan Larkin already won the competition back in 2016. Do you think maybe he got into it last night? He's been to too many of these. He doesn't want to go 30 miles an hour into the corner. Today, there's a lot of guys who just don't care too much, and trying to find out who cares and who doesn't, I think, is the best betting edge, which is quite subjective in itself. But in situations like this, I, I think it's pretty handy. So someone like uh, uh, Stephenson from Vegas could be the fastest skater because this means more to him. This is his first all-star game. He's probably one of the faster guys there. Dylan Larkin's a favorite, but I don't know how much he cares about it. Yeah, I mean, with Dylan Arkin, he's been asked more questions about is he going to be a Red Wing or not, and I think that's probably more of his focus. That is a good, that is actually a really good way of looking at it. Is and it is, I understand it's a little bit narrative based, but it's also psycho, psych, uh, There's a certain psychological element that shouldn't be ignored when it comes to placing a bet on an event like this, where you're allowed to let your emotions be who you are. Versus no, no team just got to score, got to win, and it's with the team effort. For the All-Star, it's more like, hey, it's who you are as a person. Yeah, there's there's a lot of angles. I'm really I'm really cheering for Kevin Hayes here, too. Uh, he's bringing his, his son, his his brother's son. It, it's, it's a very dramatic situation. So I'll be cheering for him today in the accuracy shooting, and I hope he does well uh, during the All-Star because uh, it, I've been reading some articles, and this, this is really meaning something to him. Last question for you, Josh. Uh, this goes back to perception versus reality. You see All-Star Game, you want to bet the over. But in your article, you were looking at it, maybe uh, the under is the right play. Yeah, I think the uh, the final under is probably the better play. I think things tighten up when there's a million dollars on the line a bit more than the first one. But again, it, it goes down like huge save one end and then three on all the other end. It's just the variance is insanely high. But, I mean, who... 
who's not going to look at the all-star game and be like, yeah, I'm going to hit the under. So you mentioned it with your Hussein Reddick bet. I'll say 70% of the best bets you make are probably not ones you enjoy having in your hand. They're usually the uglier ones. Uh, and I think that's the situation if you're betting on all-star unders. I bet $20 on Hassan Reddick to, uh, to not record a sack, and that'll get me uh, basically 26 bucks. So that is my my first official prop bet of uh, the Super Bowl. And, uh, and don't forget, uh, don't forget yeah. that you, you have to have a bet that you can brag when it hits when you're watching the Super Bowl with your friends. Make sure it's a 10 to 1. Make sure it's the dumbest thing ever. Make sure you get it. Uh, and it's going to ask the question when someone's girlfriend or wife turns around and says, you can actually bet on that? Oh, um, yeah. Yes, you well, can. And, and you look like a genius. I'm, uh, that is on, uh, I'm taking the Kardashians. And at some point during the broadcast, we will see at least one Kardashian. So that's You're sort of where. Step ahead of me, Maddie. That's what I'm looking at. You know, sort of, uh, that's called research, my friend. I'm breaking down the game film. I'm looking at the all 22, and uh, that's what I'm coming up with. Hey, Josh, always appreciate it. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks, Matty. Have yourself a great weekend. Take care. Hey, you too. Take care. That is Josh Ingalls from Covers.com.